Welcome to the radio broadcast of Pineview Baptist Church, a growing community of faith in the Belfast community of Goldsboro. We are located at 3357 U.S. Highway 117 North in Goldsboro. We invite you to find out more about our congregation by visiting us at facebook.com forward slash Pineview Baptist Goldsboro. Join us now for our weekly message. If you would, turn in your copy of Scripture to 1 Peter chapter 4. Today we're going to continue our series in 1 Peter. We're going to pick up right where we left off, 1 Peter chapter 4. And uh, I've titled my message this morning to cease from sin and to arm yourselves. Before we get into the message, uh, let's pray again and let's uh, ask the Lord to speak to us and also to pray for our North America mission, Brandon and Laura O'Sullivan. They are church planners in Santa Cruz, California. And they ask for prayer uh, for as they reach out to students and staff at their local elementary school and university and residents at nursing homes and pray for the lost to be reached in Santa Cruz County. And just to give you an idea, uh, 7.7 million people live in the metro San Francisco area and 87% of the population is estimated to be lost. So we're going to pray for Brandon and Laura O'Sullivan and for our own uh, understanding of the word of God. Will you pray with me? Oh dear Lord, our Heavenly Father, we again come to you in the name of Jesus and we pray for, for Brandon and for Laura and for their three children as they reach out to students and to staff at schools and university and even at nursing homes, Lord. Lord, we pray for those that are in the California area, in Metro San Francisco. Lord, I also pray again that you will speak to us through your word. I ask that you would help me to preach with clarity and to help us to understand these verses and to apply them to our lives. Teach us, Lord. Help us to cease from sinning and to live for you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 4. The first six verses. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 1 says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you, they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. 
this is going to be an interesting one today. <laughs> um, I've got to tell you, before I started preparing my message, I thought that I had a good grasp on what these verses meant. But they're, they're simple on the surface, but there's lots of different interpretations through the commentaries. And so we're going to dig into it and kind of see what the, the Holy Spirit can accomplish to us today through uh, the reading and the preaching of his word. I want to kind of start at the end and, and work backwards. So I want to look at verse 6 real quickly. It says, For this reason the gospel was preached to those that are dead. And I don't think that this is a, a reference to the spirits in prison that Peter was talking about back in 3.19. Uh, some commentaries, that they want to make that connection. Um, but I think Peter's talking about those that have died as persecuted Christians. They, they chose to suffer in their bodies like Christ and they became martyrs in doing so. And the reason I believe that the gospel was not preached to fallen angels uh, like that of Noah's time, at least not in this case, maybe it was in 319, but, but probably not here, is because of verse 6. Verse 6, it says that, that though judged in the flesh according to men, they might live in the spirit according to God. So, so it says they are dead, right? And fallen angels are not dead, unless you interpret that to be meaning spiritually dead. But it says that the gospel was preached to those who are dead. And this is past tense. And I, I looked up the, the verb tense, the gospel has been preached, and it's in the, the aorist passive indicative, which just means that it happened in the past. And also the end of this verse, it says, but to live according to God in the spirit. And so to me, that would seem that there's some kind of uh, conversion transformation in order uh, to live according to God. And so uh, to say that this verse means that Jesus is, is preaching to fallen angels, it just doesn't, doesn't make sense to me. But if we go back to, to verse 1, we see also from verse 1 that Jesus suffered for us in the flesh. And this is the, the third time that Peter's reiterating this point to his readers, that, that Jesus Christ, the, the Son of God, the Messiah, he came in the flesh, and he died in the flesh. And this, this goes against uh, the early heresies that were developed, that, that Jesus didn't really have a body, um, that he didn't have a, a real natural body during his time on earth but that he only kind of a, a, appeared to have one, or uh, it seemed that Jesus had a body. And, and this is called um, docetism. And we've talked about this uh, Wednesday nights uh, during our studies, that, that Jesus is God incarnate. He became a man. Jesus voluntarily laid down his life to pay for the sins of mankind. And God absorbed the payment that you and I could never pay. And I would just kind of encourage you uh, to come out, if it's not your custom on Wednesday nights, to, to come out for some good food and some good fellowship and some, some great insight into deep theological issues. So Christ suffered for us. 
But why did he have to suffer? Well, the Bible is very clear. It says without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission or forgiveness of sins. God demands justice. And yes, God is a loving God. He wants to be in relationship with us. But since he is just, he also needs to punish evil. And so he is just and the justifier for those that have faith in Jesus Christ, Romans says. And we see back in 1 Peter 2.24, it says that, that Jesus bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, for by whose stripes we are healed. And then also in 3.18, Peter says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Holy Spirit. And then again here in verse 1, it says, Jesus suffered for us in the flesh. Do you think Peter's trying to tell us something here? That Jesus suffered for us in the flesh. And the last part of verse 1 kind of seemed to be a little tricky for me because it says, he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now, maybe your translation might say he or anyone who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Well, well, who is he? Is it talking about Christ or, or is it that those that are suffering? Because yes, Jesus became sin for us, but he never started to sin. So, so how can he cease from sin or be done with sin? He has completed the suffering from sin when he laid down his life for our penalty. Well, uh, John MacArthur would say, the perfect tense of the verb emphasizes a permanent, eternal condition free from sin. The worst that can happen to a believer suffering unjustly is death. And that is the best thing that can happen because death means the complete and final end of all sins. Amen? Amen. Galatians 2.20 says that I am crucified with Christ, but nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we, we know that our old self was crucified with Christ. Romans 6.6 6 says with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. For one who has died has been set free from sin. In verse 2, the, the he no longer shall live the rest of his time in the flesh of the lust of men, before the will of God would, would again seem to talk about the suffering believer. And then it says, we should arm ourselves. And if we're to arm ourselves, this means that we are in a battle. Arm yourselves. This is a, a, a military term. Strap on your AK-47s. Um, buy your 9 millimeters. Take up arms. Sell whatever you have and make sure that you have a sword. Is that what it says? Well, well no. It says to arm yourself with the same mind of Christ in verse 1. And this is my first point. Well, what is, what is the mind of Christ? And uh, sometimes if you ask 
kids to do something and they don't really want to do it, you can thank them for them. But if they say, well, I didn't really have a choice, you can always tell them, well, you can always choose your attitude. And your attitude can either be positive or it can be negative. And I think that the mind of Christ is a, it's a sharp contrast to that of the wisdom of men. And the mind of Christ is something that is for born-again believers because it's given to us by the Holy Spirit. The mind of Christ is yielding our own desires to that of Christ's desires. And we're going to see that in this passage here. But I think besides our attitude or arming ourselves with the right mind of Christ, we need to arm ourselves with the right motives. Verse 2 says that he no longer shall live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. And later it's going to say people are even astonished that you don't want to go and, and party with them anymore because you want to go and live for eternity. And they think it's crazy uh, that you don't want to do the things that you used to do. It says that we are to live no longer the rest of this time in the flesh, in the lust of men, but of the will of God. We're to have the right attitude. We're to have the right motivation for living godly lives. And John MacArthur would say again that if the goal of the Christian's life is freedom from sin, which comes at death, he should live the remainder of his life pursuing the holy will of God rather than than the ungodly lust of the flesh. So not only are we to arm ourselves with the mind of Christ and the right motives, we're also to arm ourselves with the right activities. And in this chapter, Peter's going to tell us what not to do. And we see that uh, he actually kind of gives us three different types of sins, the first one being that of the lust of the flesh or the lust of the body or sensual sins, um, lewdness and lust and revelries. And uh, the others would be those of debauchery, of alcoholic sins. And maybe if you're playing uh, 100,000 Pyramid, it's things you do at a fraternity, um, drunkenness, uh, carousals, drinking parties. Uh, public displays of drunkenness. And if you want to drink, you can. Um, we don't preach legalism here, but the word clearly says, do not get drunk. And I think oftentimes, self-control, it's one of the hardest things to practice once you start doing something like drinking. And it's best just not to, be, to start. We're called to be sober-minded. Do you know what last Wednesday was? Well, it was Wednesday, yes. It was 420. It was April 20th. And if you don't know, it's uh, known as, as a marijuana holiday. And so uh, you shouldn't hang out with your past friends once you become a Christian. Um, if they're doing things that aren't glorifying to God. And in fact, as we said, verse 4, it says that they're, um, they think it's strange when you don't do uh, what you used to do and what's wrong with you. You, you. you think you're better than us and it says that they're even going to slander you. They're going to speak evil 
against you. Um, they've got nothing better to do. But finally, he also gives us uh, sins of idolatries. And this seems to speak of uh, religious practices, which involves everything and anything that we do in place of God. And we've quoted it in the past from John Calvin that the human heart is an idol factory. And if, you've, if maybe you've lived this way in the past, it says you've spent enough time already doing it. And if you're living in it now and you're a Christian, stop it. Verse 1 said that since Christ suffered in the flesh, he who has suffered is done with sin. And we must die to sin and live for righteousness. Stop crucifying the Lord of glory over and over again. Stop disgracing the Savior. You're either born again or you're not. And so Christians, these are characteristics of your past life that Peter's telling us. And they're still going to chase after you. They're going to still try to allure you. And therefore, Peter says that we must arm ourselves with the mind of Christ and with the word of God. And so if you want to live a victorious Christian life, you can't just live in the past. You can't live as pagans do, for God has made you a new creation. And God will judge all men, the word says, both living and dead. All must give an account how they have lived in this life. So finally, it says again, the gospel was preached to those that are now dead. And I don't think that this is particularly for judgment, but for repentance. The preaching to the dead and the spirits does not refer to second chances after this life. Because once you die, you're going to have to give an account to God. And we must know him and his word. We must separate ourselves from the world and its lust and the lures that want us to sin. So we need to cease from sin and we need to arm ourselves with the mind of Christ. Some final thoughts. This, this, this whole section is, is talking about how Christians suffer for God's glory and how to respond to when faced with persecution. And when you die to self and sin, then we have ceased from sin when we are united to him. And if we become persecuted, it should help us to focus more on our Savior and less on our sin. And God can and often uses suffering to refine his people for future glory. So if you suffer, suffer well and trust that God is using it even for his glory. 1 Thessalonians 3.3 says, Do not be shaken by afflictions, for in fact you were appointed for them. And since Christ suffered, we should also be prepared to suffer. And if we're united in him, people can mock us, they can criticize us, they can, they can persecute us. But we will be blessed. The worst thing that they can do is kill you. And then, if you die, you're going to be in heaven with God. They can't hurt you any more than to take your own life. If you get 
persecuted for your faith, justice will be done. You were born again to a living hope and you will live forever with Christ victoriously. All are going to be judged, the living and the dead. All of us are going to have to give an account. So I ask you, have your debts been settled? For the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, and we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And how you spend eternity will matter on how or if you've received his free gift of atonement and payment for your own personal sins. And the gospel is that God sent his only son to pay the penalty for us. And he asks that if we trust him, if we confess him as Lord, but if we reject him, then there's no other way to get to heaven. And in fact, we will be separated from him in all eternity in a place called hell. And it's not going to be a party, but there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The gospel is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that he was buried, and then on the third day he rose again from the dead. And God has made provision for us. He took our place and we accept his gift by faith and trust in him. In a few moments, we're going to sing our closing hymn, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. And if you don't think you've sinned, the word says that we're liars and that the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if you're suffering with something, he can heal but he might want you to suffer just a little while longer so that he can get the glory. Our attitude needs to be that of Christ. As he said in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but yours be done. If you would like more information about Pineview Baptist Church, we invite you to follow us on social media. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Pineview Baptist Goldsboro. There you will find information about our service times, upcoming events, directions to our church, and videos of our Sunday services.